is that even though I study nutrition and dietetics and all that, um, I do still have my own struggles with food. Hello and welcome to the Mind Gut Connection podcast. Here we aim to inspire those living with any form of gut issues, food intolerances, bowel diseases or syndromes, and undiagnosed problems, issues, discomfort and pain to strive towards a healthier and more fulfilled life. It is proven that what is happening in your mind and gut will affect how your brain and body functions day to day. So while we do need to watch what we eat, it is also important to choose the right habits to nurture your mind and soul. You will finish each episode feeling less alone and armed with powerful actions to bring into your daily routine for health and fulfillment. In this episode, we will be talking to Kathy, who has studied nutrition and dietetics for five years, so follows an evidence-based approach to her advice. Kathy is able to interpret this science into strategies that are realistic to our everyday lives so that healthy eating can be sustainable and non-restrictive. Kathy has nearly 10,000 followers on Instagram, which is how we connected, and posts yummy and nutritious, nutritious recipes, some of which I have tried and enjoyed myself, to inspire her audience. Kathy's approach to health and nutrition is interesting because, as we will discuss, healthy eating looks different for everyone. One fed diet does not fit all. So it's important to take a step back and have a good look at what we are putting into our bodies as we will go into more depth later on. Through the Mind Gut Connection podcast, I will be bringing you guests who have all been on their own journey with their mental and physical health, offering different perspectives and tools to help guide your journey towards health and fulfillment. We will finish by giving you three small yet powerful actions to take with you into your day. So hello, Kathy. Welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. And uh, what, what luck that we connected on Instagram and you were just down the road from where I record this podcast. Yeah, it's crazy. Social media is great in that way. Totally. So I like to start my podcast with a little something different. Um, would you like to share something vulnerable about yourself with our audience? Um, something vulnerable, I think, is that even though I study nutrition and dietetics and all that, um, I do still have my own struggles with food. So things like, you know, specific foods maybe that you fear a little bit or that you're restrictive about. Um, and I suppose it makes me vulnerable because a lot of people think that if you study this and you know all the science behind it, then you're going to have this perfect balanced lifestyle. But obviously we are all human. So we all have those emotions that we connect with food as well. Oh, I feel that so much. No matter how much you learn, you always have other things going on in your mind and everything. So... Please introduce yourself, why you're in this, why I asked you to be on this podcast, what you do, and just a little bit about your background. So I studied nutrition and dietetics through the University of Otago. So I was down in Dunedin for four years. And then in 2020, I came back up to write my thesis and do my final clinical placement. So I'm all done with that now. I'm just waiting to graduate and then I'll start my job hunt um, as a dietitian. But in the meantime, yeah, I really love the social media side of things and creating recipes. I've always really loved food and my mum's always been quite into nutrition and healthy eating. So I suppose it's something that I really grew up with. Um, and that's how I got into it in the first place. Like I loved science at school. I wanted to do something health related, didn't necessarily want to be a doctor. So all of this kind of just worked out really well for me. Um, it's something that I'm really passionate about. So even though five years is a long time to study, um, it hasn't actually felt that long because I've really enjoyed it. Oh, that's awesome. So it's something you're really passionate about. 
I feel like that's something that a lot of people could be lacking in their university degree is that they're just there for you know whatever reason just to do a degree and it looks like you're really passionate about it and especially just growing your Instagram account as well how did you start with that by the way um it actually started on tumblr back when that was a thing (laughs) yeah in 2012 um i just had like a tumblr account and then later on i think in year 13 of school um instagram sort of started becoming much more of a thing so i just transferred to that and started posting my own food photos um and recipes and things like that and then through uni it was quite hard being in halls obviously all our food is cooked for us so i lacked content that um for (laughs) sure but then once i got into flatting it was so good because i could cook everything on my own and that's when it sort of i really started putting a lot more time into it and it's just nice being able to connect with so many people on social media Mm. so it is something that i really enjoy it's like a fun hobby to have yeah oh that's really cool thanks again for being here So you have the knowledge, you have the experience and you have the passion, which I believe are three really vital things when anyone comes in here and talks, talks about anything on this podcast. So what what would you like to talk about today? We've got some main talking points that we discussed beforehand, and I would like to get into the first one, which is that healthy eating looks different for everyone. I find this is an interesting concept because we are told this diet works, this diet works, this diet works, but I guess that's not the reality. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting because I guess like social media or even before this, like magazines and all of these things, they promote all these different ways of eating. But to be honest, if we all of us ate the exact same diet, you know, for two weeks or a month, we would all have such different results. And some people might really enjoy eating a certain way. Some people don't. um, And our bodies react really differently to the way that we eat because yes we are all humans but I mean our biology is so different and so I think it's really important to take that into consideration because yeah all these diets are promoted as being you know the one the miracle cure to whatever Mm. problem that you might be having when really you need to find what works for yourself and that can be difficult through mainstream media because often that's just trying to either sell a product or sell a diet or something um, that really is maybe for profit and not out of like in your best interest so I think it's it is difficult to navigate sort of that field but it's something important to work on what's your opinion of of that kind of marketing stuff where it says you need this or you need this how do you feel about all of that um I really think it's a shame that the sort of like say for example the weight loss industry is literally a billion dollar you know multi-billion dollar Mm. industry um that really takes advantage of people's vulnerabilities um yeah, I wish that there was maybe more control around that, but it is difficult. And even now with social media and influencers, um, there's very little control over, say, what someone can and can't promote and whether that even, you know, if there's any evidence that, say, the supplement that they're trying to sell even works. So I think it is a shame that people do end up spending a lot of money throughout their lives on these different things um, and they're not real. They don't have their best interests at heart, so... It's difficult, yeah. Do you feel like any of that stuff has affected you personally? Um, not personally. I think because I always have sort of studied science and things, I can see it maybe through more of a critical lens, just mm. from like an evidence perspective, and just thinking, is this actually, like if you think about the physiology of your body or anything like that, is this actually going to have an effect? And sort of based on what you learn, you're able to make those decisions as to yes or no or at least be able to look up 
say articles or journals and things like that about the evidence behind a certain thing but obviously that's not accessible to the general population like I can only do that because I've studied it but I'm not expecting everyone to be you know looking up science articles about this so I think that's kind of where I am really passionate about social media is able to being able to use um, my knowledge to sort of dispel those myths a little bit um, because it's easy for me to read science jargon but not for everyone and that's totally fine <laughs> yeah I think it was really interesting I uh I think I read somewhere you know it's one of those things I don't know where I heard it but I loved it because it said that none of these industries would be making money if you were happy with yourself if you were yeah. completely happy with yourself and I thought oh my goodness that's so true and that's the only reason a lot of the time we're marketed to or it's it's to tap into our vulnerabilities and our insecurities and say we can fix it we can fix it when the reality is that most of the fixing will only ever come from within which is something that I'm very passionate about and the reason again that we're here so talking about uh, different cultures for example can you give us an example of uh, two different people who say are struggling with their weight for example um, but they are from two different backgrounds or two different cultures can you can you provide some sort of contrast so you can understand the difference certain foods can impact their bodies in different ways yeah so say um i guess something quite topical is like keto or like very low carbohydrate diets Mm. um for weight loss so i guess um i mean i'm not here to like bash the keto diet it does work for some people and people definitely see results off it but i'm i mean i come from a chinese background where generally in Asia as a whole you eat quite a lot of carbohydrate heavy foods that is um, sort of the staple food product in those country and in those countries and it has been for centuries so say someone from an Asian background who's used to eating a lot of rice and noodles and flatbreads and all of those foods um, putting them on a keto diet might not work quite as well because they're used to eating a lot of those foods and that's their that's important to them culturally it's part of their diet and I mean, for centuries, that hasn't really been a problem at all. Being, you know, eating a lot of rice and a lot of noodles, there wasn't a high incidence of obesity, really. Whereas compared to someone maybe who is on a more of a Western diet, perhaps they eat a little bit more meat or other protein foods or have more access to those types of foods, um, then you are able to maybe eat a lower carbohydrate diet if that's what you prefer and if you feel good eating more protein foods. Um, and also high fat foods as well so I guess that's what I mean when it's when it comes to culture is that you have to really be sensitive of the fact that people have different like cultural differences Um, and the staple foods that they're used to eating are really different as well so prescribing one diet for two very different people wouldn't work out one because um, mentally they might not be enjoying that diet at all they're thinking that this doesn't even feel like a meal if I haven't had rice or noodles Mm. and in the same way, maybe they don't have access to as many protein foods or it's just not part of their stable diet. Okay, yeah. And something I just picked up, that word feel good. So you said if it doesn't feel good or it does feel good to be eating carbs and not eating carbs, what does that actually um, manifest as in your body? How can you know if a food is making you feel good or not feel good? Um, I think feel good, there's sort of two components to it. There's like the physical and also sort of mental and emotional. Mm. So some foods you eat, um, say like birthday cake, for example, um, maybe if you eat a lot of it, you're not going to feel physically so good. You might <laughs> feel a bit sick if you've eaten it too quickly. 
but emotionally and mentally it means a lot say because it's a celebratory sort of food um whereas the physical i mean obviously if you're intolerant to something then you're not going to physically feel good um but also i guess just different bodies respond better to different types of foods and now intolerance is a, a huge deal we're a lot more um aware of them but i do think sometimes there's like too much emphasis put on them like you are intolerant to this you're not and you become almost hyper aware i think and a lot of intolerances can be um partially like psychological as well so it's not to say that the physical intolerance isn't there but if you think that you're intolerant to something you can almost build it up in your head so much that you physically do become intolerant to it Mm. so i think it's just being aware of your own body and responding to the way that you eat but also not being too hypervigilant about (laughs) different foods sometimes maybe you eat something you don't feel so good other times maybe you eat it and it's fine so i think that kind of starts to go into the restrictive side of healthy eating or eating clean um but yeah it's just being aware of how you respond to different foods i think yeah and i think that's really important also to note is that if you start to think that a food is affecting you a certain way it definitely can start doing that, especially if you look at how stress and the gut are connected mm. so deeply. Yeah. Um, last week I was very, very stressed and I had the worst stomach I've had in a very long time and I knew it was completely connected. Mm. Um, and just knowing that, you know, I didn't do anything wrong food-wise or anything different, but suddenly I was just, I couldn't, like, I couldn't leave my house. Yeah. And just knowing that there's such a deep, deep, deep connection, and I was like, okay, got to breathe, got to just drink lots of water, just relax, and mm. stop thinking about all that yeah. stuff that's going on. So, yeah, it's it's super, super important, I think. And so there's lots of different food intolerances. And is there any way that you could know if you are truly intolerant or if your mind is playing tricks on you? Is there anything that you've heard of that we could do around that? Um, I think when people say like in clinics, when they come to me and say that they suspect they have an intolerance, I always recommend starting a food and symptom diary. So you write down what you ate and then what symptoms you felt and the time and maybe what you were doing, how you were feeling around that time. Um, And then that, I think, helps maybe start to pull apart exactly what's causing this. So like you said, stress is definitely a cause of some intolerances. But then you have to realize when you're not stressed, maybe you can be eating these foods and you don't need to cut them out of your diet completely. Mm. Whereas if you're experiencing symptoms and you're not stressed and there's no sort of emotional side attached to it, you're just, you know, going about your daily life and you're consistently seeing a pattern of feeling uncomfortable after eating a certain food then that's I think when you can sort of start to delve deeper into that and then maybe seek some professional help about what to do about that intolerance so it's just being able to separate when is it that it's something external that's affecting the way that you feel and maybe not actually the food itself and also when it's internal Um, and I suppose something that's important to remember is that food food takes time to be digested So unless you're allergic to that food, in which case as soon as you eat it, you're going to get um, symptoms, you're not going to be intolerant, you're not going to experience the symptoms of an intolerance straight away. Mm. So often people are like, oh, well, I ate this and it had gluten in it and straight away I had a stomachache. Maybe you need to think about what you ate two hours or three hours before that you're currently digesting that's causing the cramps because that's going to be, you know, further down in your digestive tract. It's not what (laughs) you just ate straight away unless you're maybe celiac, in which case it's different. So even that is really important. And that's why I think 
sort of writing down what you eat in a sort of diary is good because you can start to identify, oh, two hours ago I ate this and now I don't feel so well. So maybe I need to reassess what I ate in that meal. But it is hard, especially when so many things can affect um, your digestion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that a, a great thing there in the food food tracking, food diary, is writing down how you feel and what's mm. going on for you in that moment. Because in the past, I've heard, you know, track your food, track your food. But it's a more holistic approach to say, and how are you feeling at that time? Because, again, mind and gut are connected. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So for people who may struggle to keep track of their food intake, because I know that in the past when I've been told to write a food diary, I've been mm. like, oh, yeah, cool. Two days later, it's <laughs> yeah. gone. Like, it's yeah. happening. Do you ever need like life hacks to get to do that in a, in a good way that's sustainable? Um, I find like obviously using the notes on your phone is really good. I think a lot of practitioners tend to give you a physical sort of printed out booklet and be like, oh, you can write in this. But that's pretty tricky to do, say, if you're eating out or you're sort of on the go and you're like, I don't want to pull out this booklet and start yeah. writing in it. So I think putting it in your notes is quite a good idea. Um, and also you could do it sort of, if you say you pack your lunch or something like that and you have some time, you could just write down what you're going to eat. And I mean, if you don't eat something, then you could delete it. But it doesn't always have to be retrospective because that can be quite hard. You're like, oh, I ate it and then I was busy and now I've forgotten exactly what I ate. Mm. So if you plan your meals to a certain extent, you can sort of use those plans to help you with what you're eating. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is, it is hard though. Even in <laughs> class, we had to do um, like tracking our food and just that we could experience what it is like right. when we tell other people to. And it was so difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it is tricky. Well, it's, that's really nice to know that you had to do it too. So it's mm, not, Yeah, not <laughs> we had to do lots this. of experiments on ourselves. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> that would have been interesting. So you know, we've talked about how healthy eating looks different for everyone and different ways that food can affect you. So what do you mean when we need to go back to the basics when it comes to eating well? What does that mean? Well, now um, I think nutrition is very, it can be very confusing if you look up, say if you just Google healthy eating, you're probably going to get millions and millions of results on oh, yeah. what you know Google says is healthy eating. Um, and, you know, in the last few years, now we have all these superfoods that we should be eating, kale and blueberries and all these random things that are apparently much better than other foods. Mm -hmm. But really the guidelines, um, I always just go back to the New Zealand Ministry of Health guidelines. I think especially it's um, if you're living in a country, it's always good to refer to the guidelines specific to your country because they reflect your food environment and the types of foods that are available Okay. Um, in New Zealand and also say like our climate and a lot of the micronutrients which maybe are missing from say like our, our soil so they'll have guidelines around that so I think there's no point always looking say like oh well America or the UK they're bigger countries so let's look to them mm -hmm. for advice um, I think it's always good to you know come back to the Ministry of Health guidelines and they're really basic they're just they have a few they have serving size examples which can be really useful but really, it's just like five plus a day, which we all know. And it doesn't have to be a specific vegetable or a specific fruit. It's just, you know, eat what's in season, eat what's available to you, what's affordable as well. I think that's so important to make it sustainable. Mm. Um, yeah, just like five plus a day, having some protein, having whole grains, just like a balanced, varied diet. Um, and it's so simple, but it's not very interesting sometimes. So I think on the internet... You know, there's the articles and they've got the catchy headlines being like, this is the one food you need to eat mm. for a healthier lifestyle. Like, 
this is the one food you need to avoid and it's like there's so many foods that we eat in our whole lives that we don't need to be focusing on like one vegetable that's good for us all vegetables are good for us in different ways Mm. so it's just like really basic concepts but um it's hard to sell it to people i guess if you want to put it that way because they're not radical changes that you can make like we all know it deep down but it's hard to sort of follow through with that yeah and interesting as well that you touched on the the seasonal aspect of it like the ministry of health Mm. recommends so um would that be one of the ways to it's not just about like a balanced diet throughout the day it's a throughout the year that you change it up yeah exactly i think we often focus yeah on what i ate today and i did i get you know three serves of vegetables and two serves of fruit but really you can look at it yeah throughout a whole week maybe you ate more vegetables today and you eat less tomorrow that's okay like Mm. our bodies are more resilient than we think you know like they still work in the same way that they did centuries ago when we didn't have huge supermarkets and availability to all of this food so we're pretty good at adapting to changes in our diet um so like you say yeah throughout a whole season maybe you've eaten um often we say eat the rainbow but often say in winter maybe it's harder to get a super colorful range Mm. of fruit and vegetables um or it's really expensive but maybe in summer you've eaten a whole lot of those foods so your body has gotten some nutrients already from those things so i think it is good to take a step back and look at what have i eaten in this whole week and then in that case you know a little bit of chocolate there in regards to everything you ate in that week it's such a small percentage whereas if you think in a day you're like oh no i've eaten this and it wasn't you know good or whatever but yeah if you if you put all the food that you've eaten in a week on a table and you had a few treats here and there then (laughs) they're totally going to be balanced out by all the other things that you've eaten yeah so thinking about um treats and whole grains and vegetables and fruits what's your opinion on calorie counting I just had that question pop into my head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all good. Um, I think it works well for some people. Okay. Um, Say it depends on what your goals are, really. Like, say, if you're going to the gym and you have really specific goals to, say, like, gain muscle mass, Mm. sometimes people find calorie counting can be really good because um, you might be under-reading for what you actually need. So then it's kind of good, at the beginning at least, to maybe get an idea of roughly how many calories do I eat um, and relative to the amount of exercise that I'm doing. So I think it really depends. Um, and I guess conversely, say if you do want to lose weight, at the end of the day, it is about, you know, energy in, energy out, to really put it into a basic way. Yeah. So if you don't really have any understanding of the amount of energy that's in the different types of foods that you're eating, it could be a good idea. And those calories could make a difference to your final goal. Right. Um, but if you're just sort of, living and going about your daily life and you don't have any specific goals related to your body composition then personally I don't really tell people to calorie count because does it really matter if you know exactly how many calories you ate in a day like Mm. as long as you're eating like I say a a varied diet with a little bit of everything you're going to be getting most you're probably going to get the nutrients that you need and calories probably isn't the most important thing um, so I think it really just depends. I wouldn't, ca- I wouldn't calorie count for the sake of it yeah. because it can be quite time consuming. Um, and it is different for everyone. Like for me, I get quite hung up on numbers and things like that. So I don't like seeing how many calories I've eaten in a day because then I find I will restrict, even though I know that I don't need to, 
I just instinctively do it because I get hung up on numbers. Whereas other people really don't care about numbers. They're like, oh, it's just a number. It doesn't, it doesn't affect me at all. Yeah. In which case, maybe it works better for them. So I think you just have to recognize what's going to work for you. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, there's um, I do count sugar. I do count grams of sugar. Mm, yeah. It's on the back of a packet. I think, and I feel like I can relate to the, the counting stuff because then I can get quite pedantic about it based on, oh, well, like that, that those two pieces of chocolate had nine grams of sugar. So, yeah. you know, according to the World Health Organization, yeah. like, oh, okay, how many grams do I have left? And what was in yeah. that? So I, you can see it gets, it can get quite into your head, mm. I guess. So what you're saying is that it, not to get too hung up about it. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess that kind of leads into the phrase I've been he- hearing recently, which is about intuitive eating. Mm. What do you know about that? Um, Yeah, intuitive eating is really interesting and there is a lot of evidence to show that um, it does have really good effects on both your mental health and your relationship with food and also things like weight loss, for example. You know, people have been trying diets maybe for a long time and then they learn to eat intuitively and they might lose some weight or maybe they'll, they'll gain some weight actually because it helps your body maybe reach that set point of where your body weight sort of should be naturally Mm. and for some people that actually might be a bit higher than what it is and that's fine and that's sort of part of intuitive eating is recognizing that you need to listen to your body's signals um and that's you know for your weight for your satiety all of that um i think it's really cool that it's becoming a lot more recognized and because there's more evidence that's coming out you can start sort of really supporting it um, but it is quite a long process to learn. I think you can you can eat intuitively because everyone can, like naturally, that you're just meant to eat, you know, the way you're supposed to. But the actual sort of, um, I, w- I mean, I wouldn't call it a program, but there is sort of steps to follow to eat intuitively. So there oh, okay. is a book and there's like a kind of set way to learn almost how to eat intuitively. Um, I think the term is used quite loosely on the internet, which is fine, but it is also quite um, a detailed thing that you can read about. There's a lot of information online about it, which I think is cool if you really want to get into it. Yeah, I think all you have to do is look at um, babies and toddlers, you know, before they've, before they've, I guess, unlearned to intuitively (laughs) eat. Like if you give a child access to, you know, unlimited food, they will only take what they need. And that's quite an incredible thing. Um, sometimes it feels like they eat so much food when you I look after kids quite regularly and it's like, okay, another snack, another snack, yeah. seriously. Yeah. They know. Yeah, they know. <laughs> and even when they're sick, they'll naturally not eat as well. So mm. it's, it's really, oh, certain sicknesses. But yeah, yeah, it's really good to know. So we talked about how eating can affect your body and different kinds of intolerances and all of that. So how does um, eating well tie into our overall health? And is there anything more, any other aspects to our health that we need to take into consideration and keep track of? Yeah, I think there's a really strong link between your physical health and sort of your mental and emotional well-being. I mean, for starters, if you feel physically good, you're more likely to feel mentally well. We all know that, yeah, say if we're sick or if we're experiencing like, pain or cramps then naturally your mental health sort of declines as well yeah (laughs) Yeah, so I mean it's as as easy as you know you want to put good food into your body and to nourish and fuel your body so that you can be physically well in order to also be mentally well Mm. but I think like say if you have um like a restricted restrictive relationship with the food that you eat then 
that really is going to affect your mental and emotional well-being because if you look at something and you think oh I can't eat that or it can affect you say socially if you go out for a nice meal with your friends and you feel like oh I, I, I can't eat that because I you know feel like that's bad for me and I shouldn't eat it then that can really affect a lot of other aspects in your life like your relationships with other people your friends or partners or anything like that mm. so I think yes food is fuel and we eat it because we literally have to but there's so much else that goes into the food that you eat and I think the relationship that you have with food is really important and it's difficult because I think in your teenage years and as you you know like look on look at things on the internet you sort of start to well like for me I definitely developed sort of like food fears like oh, I this is bad bread is bad yeah. I can't eat I can't eat this or I don't want to eat that um and it's a shame that that often happens when you're a teenager and you're so vulnerable to all these different things um so I guess it's learning or yeah like we said before sort of like relearning how to eat and how to have that healthy relationship with the food that you eat yeah so is there any kind of um, tactics that you use to teach people how to kind of, I guess, repair their relationship with food? Um, I think for one, you can like, it's a good way to think that sort of every food has some sort of nutrient. A lot of people talk about like empty calories being like, oh, well, sugar or chocolate or junk food, they're empty calories. Yeah. Um, but they can be enjoyed in moderation and they're still at the end of the day, even though, yeah, they might not have the most nutrition, at least they're giving your body energy. Like a piece of chocolate, for one, it might make you feel just good to have it, but also it is giving you energy. So it's not empty in that way. It's still fueling your body. Like your body's still going to use that energy. So yeah. that's always good. But just even other things, you know, I think it's just thinking sort of like we talked about before, thinking about your diet as a whole. So like foods that, yeah, they're lower in nutrition, but maybe you're eating it because it's a food that you eat at celebration times it's a food that you eat around christmas or around easter or something like that and they come around you know once a year so there's no reason to not eat it just because you think it's unhealthy yeah we don't have to eat healthy foods 100 percent of the time to be healthy yeah. right we don't have <laughs> to eat healthy foods 100 percent of the time to be healthy yeah i think that's really important um to also get rid of food guilt um mm. that may be present <laughs> So funny story, uh, we were in the middle of this podcast and there was a power cut and I freaked out and thought the first, you know, half of what we recorded was all gone. I'm so happy because it wasn't. So we're able to pick right up where we left off. Um, thank you so much for your patience there, <laughs> Kathy, and your understanding. Um, so I also have not, I'm not really sure where we were at in our conversation. So in our break, in our, I guess if you could call it a break, while we were waiting for the power to come back on, we started talking about additives to food. And I thought this would actually be a really interesting thing to touch on based on um, people coming to you with IBS symptoms. And the fact is that there's many contributors in, in our lives that could be contributing to IBS symptoms. And it's not necessarily um, one like diagnosed thing, stress or other things. And we start talking about additives and sweeteners. So could you just share that bit of knowledge you just shared with me about about sweeteners and about the impact they can have on our lives and what we eat? 
Yeah, so I guess a lot of foods now, I mean, things from like ice cream to protein bars and some, you know, protein powders and definitely um, a lot more like alcoholic drinks and RTDs and things, they use lots of different types of sweeteners. And it's just interesting because um, I guess 10 years ago, we probably were consuming far less of those types of foods or additives. And now they're really common on our supermarket shelves. And Obviously, if you eat a lot of those things, as we probably all know, say from the back of a gum packet where it says, if you eat too much of this, it mm. might have a laxative effect. It can be the same with those types of foods as well. So it's just interesting that, yeah, it's not maybe just one type of food that's contributing, but something as small as that additive that could be leading to symptoms. And it's important to take note of those things as well. So sometimes if you do experience symptoms after eating, a meal it could do to you know sort of have a look on the ingredients label of the packaged foods that you buy and see if any of those things could be causing sensitivities mm. it's interesting uh that in the in the olden olden times no, <laughs> a couple of decades ago it was fat is bad and so low fat products started having high sugar content mm. to replace the taste now it's sugar's bad so now they're replacing the sugar with these sweeteners and I'm, I don't know what's going to happen in the future in terms of how they affect your body, but if they're causing us such symptoms, then why are we actually consuming them? And uh, I guess it's, again, everything in moderation, right? And then, like we talked about before, it's back to the basics because the natural foods that we consume, I guess, unrefined carbs and, and whole grains, like you mentioned, and vegetables and fruits are back to the basics and none of them will have those added sweeteners right yeah exactly when you're eating foods in their most whole state that's when you know that yeah you're eating it as it's meant to be eaten I guess and that um it's really interesting how it's like oh we should be eating less processed foods um that was definitely sort of the mantra a few years back and now we're sort of starting to shift into trying to eat more whole foods because food processing in some ways have done great things for the way that we eat mm. and some healthy foods are processed technically um even things like if you drink a plant-based milk obviously that's processed yeah. technically um but it's got good things added to it so like calcium and b12 and things and that is a natural part of food processing and food technology that has really improved our diets so i suppose it's thinking about yeah eating more whole foods in their natural state yeah. rather than more of those packaged foods and it's just picking and choosing sort of what is best for your diet awesome cool well thank you so much those were some really awesome talking points so we've talked about how healthy eating looks different for everyone that your body is not the same as someone else's body and so it has different needs and that also can be based on cultures and just listening to your body when it comes to food that you prefer and then just going taking it back to the basics um, healthy eating just simplifying it don't overcomplicate it with all the knowledge that you're getting from all these different places and also taking care of other aspects of your health, not just what you consume, making sure you get enough sleep, exercise, manage your stress and your mental health, because those are huge contributors to our well-being. So I was wondering if you have, if someone has been listening to this podcast and they found that they took a lot of value from it and that was a lot of information, is there three kind of bite-sized actions that a listener could go and take in their lives right now? Um, to perhaps just better their nutrition or, or anything like if you had any ideas 
Um, yeah, so I think the first thing is to really start to pay attention to your body, how you feel um, at all times, really, but also when you're eating, after you've eaten, and how your mental health affects your physical health. I think we just need to be a lot more aware now we live in this world where we're always distracted by our phone and we might be scrolling on social media when we eat, which is something I'm definitely guilty of. Um, But then that sort of distracts you from noticing how you feel. So I think number one is to pay attention to your body and how you respond to different things. And second would be to just relax about eating. Um, Yeah, healthy eating is important. Nutrition is important. But if you're really strung up about it and stressed about it, then you're not going to be getting all the benefits that you think you are from eating a nutritious diet. Mm. You know, food is should not be a cause of stress. I think yeah. that is, it's a real shame that now it really can be. Food should be a source of happiness and it's a way to socialize with other people. And yeah, you also get nutrients from it. So that's great. But just to relax about the food that you're eating. Your body is resilient. It can deal with having different types of foods. It can deal with you eating a little bit differently today because you went out for a meal with your friends. Um, yeah, your body is resilient, so it'll be fine. Yeah. And... Um, number three yeah I think like we talked about it's all about just having a variety in your diet eating a little bit of everything eating foods that make you feel good physically and mentally and just thinking about those basic guidelines that you were probably taught maybe at school or maybe your mum told you when you were really young just going back to that our body hasn't changed that much well if at all you know like Mm. as we've evolved over all these years but our food environment has um, and it's changed to become more processed and there's yeah more chemicals and additives in food. So we just need to go back and think about what are foods in their whole state, in their natural state, and just eating in that way. Awesome. So those are really three really helpful tips that you could take into your life from today, from the minute this podcast finishes. Um, firstly, pay attention to your body and mental health. See if there's any distractions happening while you eat. And I guess be more present to yourself Mm. and your body when you eat and and before and after number two is to relax don't stress about the food that you're eating your body is more resilient than you think Um, you can handle a variety from one day to the next in in changes and number three is a variety in your diet so make sure that you're eating different kinds of whole foods and um yeah, and then also just making sure that your mental health is being taken care of and so that the variety in diet can, I guess, it just all makes sense, really. Mm, yeah, it all comes together if you relax about it and it'll just naturally come together, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess it's, in a way, it's just like common sense, yeah. right? Yeah, totally. Just don't get hung up on everything that you see, everything that you hear. Just do what's best for you and yeah. just feel what's best for you because only you really know. Only you really know what pain is making, what, sorry, what food is making you feel good and you mm. only know what food is making you feel pain. Yeah. So just pay attention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much for sharing. I really, really appreciate your time and your patience with our blackout. So that was awesome. Um, so how did that topic go for you? What was that like to share your, your knowledge? Um, I definitely think I'm in a really privileged position to have been able to study this and mm. then to be able to share that information with other people. I think that's the most important thing that you can do, you know, if you've 
learned something or if you this is your area of expertise is to be able to share that knowledge with other people not everyone can go to uni and study science and nutrition and that's fine because we need everyone to be studying other things yeah so at the end of the day if you can share that knowledge then I think it's you know really impactful awesome How do you help people in your day-to-day? Where are you based and how can listeners get in touch if they have any questions? Instagram will probably be the easiest way to get in touch. So balance your plate is my Instagram handle. Um, Yeah, that's, you can just DM me. I'm always happy to answer questions and I share like recipes and things like that on there. So you can always comment on them and I can get back to you through that. Awesome. And I really recommend her recipes because they are simple. And I know that a lot of the time I see recipes on Instagram and it's like, cool, never going to make that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But she's made it very clear um, and also breaks down what amounts of what, um, uh, like proteins and carbohydrates Mm. are in each, each recipe, which I really like as well not counting but counting yeah (laughs) awesome so balance your plate yeah balance your plate on instagram and you can get in touch with kathy and to get in touch with me you can follow us on instagram chelsea ritson underscore nz and in order to engage in conversation if you have any questions if you want to talk to other people who have listened to this podcast then you can engage with us in the comments below that post about this episode So thank you so much for being here. In the upcoming episodes, we are talking about your gut health and also around mental health and using your phone in your day-to-day life. So we've got some awesome episodes coming up. So Kathy, thank you so much for being here. Would you like to close with five breaths together? Yes, sure. Awesome. So wherever you are in your life, if you're in the car, if you're on the street, if you're taking a run, just stop for a second. Very important. And we will close with five breaths together. So ready and inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. much have a beautiful day thanks Mm -hmm.